What a way to get our service started. If you need a worship guide, would you raise your hand? And uh, they'll get you one real quick. Just keep it up long enough to where they can see it. And you need these notes. Everyone needs this this week for sure. Uh, Before we get started, while you're getting that, um, let me draw your attention to the screen. 2014, you can tell we're almost to 2017, which means we're just kind of getting towards the end of our uh, 52-week celebration of our 25-year anniversary And every year we've been looking at some sort of a picture or pictures of something to remember. These are graduates of our Christian school and college. They came here, they met here, they got married here. And in this first picture, uh, Victoria grew up here. She was uh, a little baby when, when, when the Wilkies came. And how old was Victoria? Two. She was just two years old. Now she grew up, graduated from the Christian school met a Christian, her husband, here and got married. I just think this is really the testimony of the legacy of a church that uh, maybe several things. A pastor has, has stayed 25 years, people that have stayed for a long time, a Christian school that we invest in as a missions project, not a moneymaker. That's a good thing. This is producing great young people. Then uh, this same year, Tim Gillespie graduated from Champion, met uh, rather, married his wife, Diana. Now, this young man who graduated in 2014 is the principal of our Christian school. How cool is that? Number, next, the next picture is Mo. Mo graduated in 2014, married Susanna, and now is the youth pastor of Gospel Light Baptist Church. Grew up here at Gospel Light. Next picture is Mike and Micah. Micah came here to go to college, met this real good-looking, ugly, well, half and half. No, he's up there. Met Mike here at, at Gospel Light. Mike is our sound man, amongst many other things. Works in our youth department. Micah teaches a small group, is actively involved in our church. They met, married, serving. Folks, this is a great thing. And that can be said over and over again. I wanted you to see, though, in 2014, it was really cool to have that many graduates uh, from a school or a college get married get, uh, and, and going to, and go to Christian service. Amazing. And then a picture of our family. In 2014, so we're almost there. We're going to finish this celebration in, in great fashion. James 1.27 in your Bibles, while you're turning there, it is awesome as we've begun to celebrate our missions uh, accomplishment. It's great to have missionary Rodolfo Olicio in the service. There you are. Stand up, Rodolfo. And your family. Would you stand? Your, your wife, your beautiful wife. Great. This is Christy. And they are missionaries in the Philippines, Liberty Baptist Church here with our wonderful Filipino family, the best in the world, the Gormleys. And would you join me in welcoming them to our service and serving God with their lives? Love you guys so much. Thank you. It's just good that we're placing placing ourselves in a place after all these years where we could begin to do more and more for people like the Elysio. So we're, we're excited. We're praying and seeking God but I want to recognize a wonderful family. James 1.27 is where you're at in, in your Bibles. You'll not have to turn anywhere else, but I want you in just a moment to read that verse with me. Before we get started, I want to make this statement that I'm very excited about these, these next two weeks. I'm convinced these next two weeks, much like the previous six weeks on prayer, I, I really believe it's going to impact our hearts. It's going to change us. I've had a lot of people tell me they were, they, were, they were changed. Their prayer lives were changed. There's something about the dynamic of their home was changed as a result of what they've considered 
on this great subject of prayer. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm convinced that right on the heels of that, we're talking about something that is very close to the heart of God. Children. And even closer to the heart of God, fatherless children, orphans. So I want to give you some statistics just to rattle your cage by way of introduction. First of all, there are approximately 400,000 children in America that are in need of a home. 400,000 children, somewhere in that vicinity. They do not have a family. In, in Arkansas alone, there's 5,200 children that need a home. Now, when you think about need a home, I'm speaking about a, a mom, a mom and a dad, a home, a place they can call family. Uh, an answer to their prayers, if you will, of just someone who will, who will love them, accept them, and treat them like a son or a daughter. 5,200 in the state of Arkansas. In Arkansas, we, we, from the research we've done, we are second nationally per capita in the entire nation when it comes to this issue of foster care. Second nationally in, 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 with this problem of kids being in the system and not having a home. You know, when, when we hear these stories, when we hear these stats, it can be staggering because it's somewhat overwhelming. There's so many. I've often said this before about issues in our world today that it seems as if there are so many with so many problems that there's not enough people to solve the problem. And that's true about a lot of issues. It's just so overwhelming. You look at the population of the world and you think about all those that need Jesus and it can be somewhat staggering and a little bit intimidating to think, how are we going to do this? But not with this stat. 400,000 is not a big number. Considering the fact that there are many more Christians in the world today than children who need homes. Many more. This is a solvable problem. This is a staggering number when you first hear it. But then when you begin to think about how many Christians there are in America, you begin to see that there's some hope to this. So I believe as the church, we can make a difference. And where does the church come in? How can we be a part of the solution? Is it God's plan for the church to be involved in what has been, up to this point, somewhat of a, of a government problem, a DHS problem? Well, the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. I mean, that's God's first choice. It's not government. It's not agencies. It's not DHS. I mean... We're thankful for all of those things. But, but the church, for every social problem in America today, it's a problem because the church is, is not stepping up. This is just the real, it's just realistic. I mean, just think about it. I mean, that's what uh, pretty much everything we do around here is trying to get the church to step up. That, that's what you want. You want to be a part of a church that is asking you to step up. I want to be uh, a pastor who is giving his people an opportunity to have a good judgment seat. Because when it's all said and done and we die, we stand before God. We give an account for what we have done with our lives since we've been born again. It's the only reason we're alive. Otherwise, I'd just go to heaven. If I'm just living for what I'm living for in this earth, I'm living for something much bigger. And it's called eternity and things I can take with me. And so let's look at the words of James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, 
in chapter 1 and verse 27 defines what pure religion is. Now, before I read you this definition, I want you to, I want you to understand how incredible this is. Can you imagine if I opened up to the audience this morning and just said, uh, hey, uh, somebody tell me their thoughts about what the purest form of religion would be. We'd have a hundred different answers and, and, and they'd all be good. I mean, we can all think of some really cool things that would be like, in my opinion, what's needed more than anything is this. And it would be good. It would be, a, we could make a list. If we didn't have James 1.27, we would be very interested in your opinion. But since we have it, we're not. We don't need your opinion. We don't need to make a list. We have a list. It's three things. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear. I mean, we're, we're about to read what pure religion is. Here's what God says pure religion is. It is number one. In this old King James, it says, To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, every version I read listed those three things. Changed a couple of words. Might have been a little different here and there. So I want to break it down to you in three ways. We see here it's to visit the fatherless, to visit the widows, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So number one, write this down, to look after the orphans. That's what Scripture's teaching us here. Number one, pure religion. If you want to get down to what it's all about, if you want to get down to what being a Christian after you're saved is all about, this better be in your life. This right here ought to have some place in your life. In some way, you're looking after orphans. Number two, in some way you're caring for the widows. I mean, in your life, there is at least one minute a week, two minutes a week, five minutes a week, 30 minutes a week, a nursing home visit a week. Uh, uh, some, some way, somehow, this is in your life because it is the purest form of religion. It's nothing more important than caring for orphans and, and widows. And then thirdly, and interestingly enough, it's being holy. Being different, keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. That's top three. I mean, personally, we all ought to be very concerned about walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And so these are the three things. What we're going to focus on is that first one, to look after the orphans. You see, caring for those in need is very close to the heart of God. Caring for those in need is very close to the heart of God. I want, I want Nathan to put up just the original uh, work that we did for the sermon series, the original work. If you'd go back to the original picture, Nathan, this is what's on the internet. This is what we're really promoting. And it is a picture of three children. And these three children are, you could put pure religion on this, but this is what we're, we're showing. This is what you're, you've seen if you've been to gospelite.org. I, it's one of my favorite websites. I go to it all the time, and I'm the pastor. I hope you have this on your, you know, on your list of favorites. It's a great way to follow the church. You would have known already, this is what the message is, and this is the verse, and it's a two-part series. And, and, and the reason we chose three faces was because faces have names. And names have stories. You see, if we could put a name to a face and a story to a name. For instance, Chloe and I, four years ago, adopted a little girl at a Mandisa concert. 
we were there together, her and I, and we were worshiping, and, 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 and Mandisa took a break, and, and onto the stage came Feed the Hungry, or Food for the Hungry. And they began to show us faces of children who needed to be adopted for $35 a month. It wasn't long before my little girl recognized the fact that she wanted to be a part of that. So she tugged on my little arm and she said, Daddy, can we get one? I'll pay half. I'll do half if you'll do half. What are you going to do? Our little girl's name is Cindy Karina. We've watched Cindy Karina grow up for four years now. We adopted her when she was nine. We've been sending her $35 once a month to feed her. Uh, now she's 13 and she's growing up. She writes us letters all the time. So I always put the letter on Chloe's bed so she can read it. And, and, and this little face, this beautiful little girl, uh, is she Indian or what? I can't remember. She's from Nicaragua. That's right. And, uh, and, and so we have this privilege of, of, of giving this money. We give uh, money to our church. The majority of our money goes to the church where we love to give the gospel light. There's nothing I would ever ask you to do that I'm not doing on steroids, hopefully. I mean that too. I mean that. I'm in. I'm not just not robbing God. I, I love my church. And I give till it hurts. And... This $35, and this is an addition to that, so it's separate. We don't give it through the church. We just, actually, Food for the Hungry sends me a tax deduction anyway, so it's great. But I, I love this, Chloe, that we've got that thing going. And that little face, I've never met her, but I've seen her face, I've got her name, and I've heard her story. Look at this first face. You see, this face has a name, and that name has a story. This little boy is not just a picture of stock footage. It's a real person. Look at the next one. This little girl, she's so cute, but she's real. She has a name. She has a story. And if we knew that story, it, it probably would move us to want to do something to help. You see, this picture has a name. She's a beautiful girl with a name and a story just like 400,000 children who have a name, who have a face, who have a story. Every single one of them. Now, there's a lot of problems in our world today. I listed 11 in your notes. I want to just kind of, if, if you would just fill in the blanks as, as you're led and and just identify these problems with me because we're facing these problems today in our country. These are some of the top problems. You know, I've, I've been the recipient of this first one. I've been a part of a broken family. I know what that's like. I know the pain and the suffering. My story isn't as dramatic as some. I've never been in foster care, but I do know what it's like not to have a father in the home. I've actually heard multiple times my parents apologize for their lack of commitment and neglect of us and how we were robbed of a lot of what would be considered normalcy for a good Christian family because of our broken family. And as I look back on my life, it is because of the contribution of many, even a handful in this room that knew me when I was 13 and somewhat adopted me into their family because my dad lived so far away. Broken families are a problem in our world today. Divorce is an issue. In the church, it's over 50% now. We can't even get so-called Christians to stay together and stay in love and forgive. And I know there's some reasons that can't be avoided. And this is not a message to be hard and hateful. This is a message to identify, you'll see in just a moment, 
who the real victims are. Poverty is a problem. In America, I read on the news this morning, a child was found in the woods this weekend, dead. Kicked by her mother's boyfriend. They found the boy. Shortly after he died in the woods, bones sticking out of his stomach. He was malnourished. He was malnutrition. It was terrible. On the front page of Fox today. Substance abuse. By the way, the child was five. Just so you'll know. Substance abuse. It's a massive problem today. Many are in foster care because of number four. Incarceration. We built a jail and it's full. Homelessness. It's a problem today. A lot of homeless in our city. Domestic violence. It's a big issue today. This one, you, you know, you kind of thought, you haven't heard about this in a while, but all of a sudden, there's even rumors in Hot Springs that some of this exists, and definitely in bigger cities, but gang violence seems to be back. And then there's racism and teenage pregnancy, and even human trafficking that has obviously been something that's been on the front page of nearly every magazine and news article. And Question. Who pays the highest price for all these problems? What's the answer? Children. Children pay the highest price. Those who are not the cause of the problems. Those who do not have the ability to solve the problems. Are the victims. The greatest victims. Of all of these problems. And what does God say about that? God says in Psalm chapter 82 to defend the weak and the fatherless. To uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak. Rescue the needy. Rescue them. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Go back to verse 3. Look at that word weak for just a moment. What do we mean by weak? Well, let's just identify weakness. Weak, weak meaning when we see something weak. And sometimes we walk out of the front door of our house and there's a little bird that has built a nest in one of our little bushes. How many times has it happened over the years? Dozen. And there's a little bird there and, and every time we open the door, he flies off real quick, you know, out of fear. and leaves the little eggs. Then finally we hear a little chirping and the birds are born. And then sometimes we see a, a, a bird that is still barely alive or maybe dead, but it's weak and it's trying to make it. We can hear the little chirp. And, and then again, you know, when you have a little girl, it's, it's all about, oh, what can we do? It's like the stray dog. Can we take it in? It's so cute. Oh, it's weak. It's defenseless. Save the whales. Save the bunnies. Save the birdies. Save the spotted owls. Why? Because they're weak. They're defenseless. Save the children. Save the children. Spotted owls, children. I feel as if we've been so desensitized that we weep more over whales than kids. We weep more, we're more affected when we see a little bunny or birdie than we do when we see a child that has no place to sleep. The church is God's plan A. 
Psalm 82, verse number 3 and 4 is very powerful for this message. Our God cares about these children more than we can imagine. And he's calling us, the church, to care about them as well. In fact, let me give you another verse in Psalm chapter 68. Who is God? Who is God? Who is he? He is a father to the fatherless. Let me tell you what this verse is. This verse is the Old Testament version of James 1.27. You got James 1.27 that we all kind of are familiar with. But Psalm 68 is the Old Testament version of he's a father to the fatherless. That's number one. Pure religion. He is a defender of the widows. That's number two. And he is in his holy dwelling. That's number three. God says, I want you to care for fathers, widows, and be holy. So there it is in the Old Testament. He goes on to say in verse number six that God sets the lonely in families. God orchestrates this. God from heaven orchestrates through a message like this and a message like next week and what our church is going to become involved in, God begins to say, oh my, I'm going to take a lonely child, lift him up out of that place and I'm going to move him over here and place him right inside this Christian family. God does that. God is the one who sets the lonely in families. Why? So they can experience health. So they can experience love. So they can experience compassion. So they can experience what it means to be cared for. And and in many cases, so they can experience salvation. God picks up the lonely and puts them into families. So I have a question. What if God has his eyes set on your family? What if God has his eye set on your family? What if some families have become the answer, Lance, to a child's deepest prayer? In just a moment, I'll introduce you to Lance, but he's become a close friend, and he's told me, you can give a child a million gifts. You can give him a million dollars. And if you compare that to what his deepest prayer is, it's not for more gifts and it's not for more money. It's for a family. I don't care about those gifts these kids say. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. But I want a family. Now I realize, let's just get this out of the way because everybody's nervous. I I realize that not everybody is, is going to be a foster family. I understand that. I realize that many, if not most, are not going to be a, a foster family. I mean, good night. Some of us are having enough trouble raising our own, you know much less considering that. I understand that. Makes sense to me. But wait a minute. Before you say no, I'm just asking you, hold on, time out. All, let's, just, let's just pray about this thing. Before we turn this thing off, before we allow the devil to say, well, you know, I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be about this. Maybe No, no, wait, wait, hang on. This is not just a, a recruitment session for one single thing. This is about the culture of our church changing to pure religion, beginning with children. And understanding Number one, how I can be involved. That's the first thing I want you to pray about. God, first thing, I'm not asking you to do anything yet. There's no meetings. I'm just saying, God, write this down. How can I be involved in helping to foster children? I want to take 30 seconds and Lance, I want to give you a mic. And I want you to give us, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and give us a quick 
introduction to next Sunday's sermon. You're going to meet Lance Nelson. He'll be our preacher next week. He's a dear friend. His wife is precious. They're wonderful people, and they're fast becoming people whom I am deeply uh, thankful for, and I love very much. Lance, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I serve with Compact Family Services here in Hot Springs. Many of you may know that better as Hillcrest Children's Home. We've been around for over 70 years serving foster children in Garland County. And God has recently entrusted to us a very sacred trust, an opportunity to get involved with churches and do something that's never been done in Arkansas before, and that is to, to do turnkey foster care ministry from a Christ-centered, biblically-based perspective. And uh, we began praying several months ago for God to put the right people in our path to partner with, because we're doing this in churches. We're not out looking for foster families. We're looking for churches that will, that will uh, have the right culture and the right DNA. And I got to tell you, I am so blessed that God put me in the path of your pastor and the beautiful team that he's put together in this church to do this type of ministry. This church may be the best poised and positioned in Garland County to lead on this issue. And so I'm very blessed to be a part of it. I'm very blessed to partner with you, Pastor, and to see where God takes this. Thank you so much. Now, thank you, Lance. Listen, that was perfect because that's all I needed you to hear to come next week and hear the rest of the story from, from the perspective of, of what this miracle he's speaking about is. What is this miracle? What, what is he talking about? Churches. We've been entrusted that's next Sunday. This Sunday is the pastor's job to say, number one, how can I be involved? Number two, how can I be a blessing? I'm here to help us to volunteer to at least pray and say, God, prepare me for how I can be a blessing. Now, this is not a strange thing to our church family. We have families in our church that have actually and are presently involved in this. Let me introduce you to some of these people. First of all, let me show you a picture of Tony and Marsha Thomas and their family. Tony and Marsha have adopted three children. They were involved in foster care, and they had dozens of children through their homes. And as these children would come through their homes and they would care for children, they, would, they eventually came to, to a young man by the name of Brady. And Brady became adoption eligible as a young child, and they adopted Brady into their family. Many of you may have not known that was even the case because he looks just like them. So do the others almost. God's good. You know what God did? God took Brady and set him inside a family because God does that. God takes the lonely and puts them in families. And then there's two other little young ladies up there, cute as cherry pie, Natalie and Isabella. Natalie and Isabella were foster kids taken out of their homes, placed in foster care, and then placed in Tony and Marcia's home until they became adoption, eligible for adoption, and then they adopted them. Now, just while I, I say this, we're not really talking about adoption per se as much as we are foster care, and some of that will be talked about next week. I'll leave it at that, but I, I want you to know what's happening in our church because this is the first time some of you have even heard this. I want to show you a picture of John and Bridget Clowers who just recently adopted Josh and Jacob, but first they were foster kids. First they were taken out of loneliness and placed inside family. And as foster children, they became eligible for adoption and Josh and Jacob today are sitting inside our church and church ministries with a Christian family. 
And then Dave and Sonia Chittam years ago, while they were still raising all of their children, I think Holland was eight years old, when Sonia and I visited one of our bus homes, and Sonia took out Chris and Tyler brothers as little boys, five and six years old, and placed them inside a family. And they adopted Chris and Tyler. And then I want you to see a picture of Dale, Daryl and, and, and Marigale Stockton, who are sitting here to my left on the edge of the seat. We don't have the little picture of the little baby there because of just the, the ethics of, of these things, because they're presently very involved in foster care, and you'll often see children with them, different children. Now they've got a little baby, and they are caring for little Lily and loving her and caring for her. It's precious. And then there's Damon and Missy Godwin. Damon and Missy adopted Henry to the right there. And Henry's in our Christian school. And Henry's being loved and cared for by a Christian family. Fostered, then adopted. What am I saying? I'm saying this, basically. When you let a child in your home, you may never be more like Jesus when you do that. That's what I'm saying. When you let a child in your home, you may never be more like Jesus... It may be the most godlike thing you could ever do when you invite a child into your home. Do you know why? Here's why. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did for you. That was Jordan's song. We were orphans, now you've made us your son. You see, I was a spiritual orphan, separated from God by my sin. But because of what Jesus did for me, God adopted me into his family. Now, I'm I'm in God's family. Now, he is my heavenly father. I am, church, a son of God. Not because I'm good. Not because I deserve it. Because Jesus came that we might be spiritually born into the family of God. And so when we do this for someone else, when we do For someone else, what God did for us? Paul put it like this in Ephesians 1. He said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. God wanted to do this. What if there were churches all over Garland County? By the way, there are 136 churches kids in foster care in Garland County in 200 churches. If every church did one, we'd have a waiting list of churches, not kids. Instead, we have 18 with beds. 18. 200 churches, 18 kids. At least one of them is in our church. One of the 136. How staggering is that? As nicely and lovingly as I can say this to myself, because I am not guilting, that is of Satan. This is not guilt. This is about prayer and seeking the Lord and having a peace about this. This is not feeling guilty. But the reality is we should feel as a church like we need to step up. I think that's a good thing. I think we all need to feel there's some responsibility because this is not about easy. Fostering is tough. I can assure you, one of the reasons why people are hesitant to to foster is because 
you know, the child is oftentimes removed from your home and placed back inside the family and the emotional ties that you have for those children. Man, it's hard. But wait a minute. That's the goal. The goal is for that mom and dad to be restored with their children and to see their lives changed and, 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 their, and salvation brought to their home. And how many of those families, how awesome would it be to see those families sitting in our church because while they were getting their act together and we were caring for their children, God was ministering to them through small groups at Gospel Light, through Celebrate Recovery. Are you with me? This is how it works. God orchestrates this. And I'm going to make you two promises if you do this. Number one, it's going to be one of the hardest things that you've ever done. One of the hardest things you've ever done will be to foster. But I'll tell you what, the children are worth it. They're worth it. And what's amazing about the first true promise that it's hard is this, that it's easier after the sermon next week because you're going to see that though most people who get involved in foster care, train, or go through 12 months to prepare for it, and then they're out within three to six months because it's just more than they thought. You're going to see how our rate in the church is can be 90 to 100% success rate because we're going to not just promote fostering, but, but other ways that we can be a part. Listen, all of us can't do everything, but we can do something. Amen? We can't do everything, but we can do something. For instance, we've never fostered. Although we've had about 18 people live with us. We've kind of been Grand Central Station here in the hood. We've Ben Montgomery was in the service this morning, and that was kind of cool just because I got to mention that Ben lived with us for three months after his brother. And we actually had DHS visit our home, and, and if we would have kept him another couple of weeks, we would have had to, he would have had to leave our home, and we would have had to go into, you know, whatever the, to prepare to be foster parents because of the situation but they allowed us to keep him for a little bit longer because of the dynamics of the situation i think the longest we've ever had anyone live with us is two to three years most about a year we've been involved in that but not foster care but let me give you some ways we can be involved number one we can or you can provide respite care now what respite care is this in other words, my family and I, I'd like my wife and I to go through this process so that we can come alongside the Stocktons and others and say, hey, why don't you guys get off for a weekend and leave the child with us? And because we're approved and because we've gone through compact family services and got that approval within three to four months, praise God. I didn't say nine months to a year. I said three months. Three months, my family can get approved. And in three months, I'm coming to your rescue, guys. You can go on a date and I'll help. And we'll love to. Listen, Joe and Tiffany, anytime you guys want to take off, leave them with us. Respite care in the family. <laughs> yeah, Joe said, Dad, you know, we want to go on a date this week. Can the kids stay with you? And I said, you bet. He said, well, you know, if you want, they can sleep over. I said, you bet. We had a blast, didn't we, guys? Oh, yeah, we had a time. And I want to be that to others. I'd love to see God call three, four families in this church to be foster families and then maybe eight, nine to be respite care families. Man, you talk about a support team here. This is amazing. And then you can pray. How important is it to be a prayer partner? I mean, we just talked six weeks about prayer. If we believe prayer is powerful, what about adopting a family to pray for that family? And a big part of the culture of this program is that there is a pastoral ministry side of this where families are providing spiritual help and strength in prayer 
to those that are fostering because it is tough and they do need that support when it comes to prayer and, and those types of things. And then you can help a single mom. I mean, a mom that's raising her kids without a husband in the home, maybe like we mentioned last week with Karina, a husband has gone on to heaven prematurely, way too early in our eyes, but obviously God had a purpose and a plan. But how, how helpful would it be for us to come alongside people like Karina and other single moms in our church and just say, hey, you take a break. Drop the kids off at my house. You see, that's close to the heart of God. And what about providing birthday gifts or Christmas gifts? Is, is Joel here today? Joel Suarez, by chance, is Destiny here today? Did she make it? Okay, Joel is a part of uh, court-appointed special advocates, which we've had in our church. Destiny is actually going through our new members orientation right now. But uh, Joel is a part of that. And, and we are partnering th- last year with Salvation Army, this year with CASA to provide Christmas gifts to the 136 foster kids who are in the system. And CASA is providing those gifts. And so we're going to do our angel tree this year will be all foster children. You buy a gift, you're buying it for a child who's without a family. How cool will that be? And then you, you can be a mentor, a father figure to, to, to these lives. I mean, maybe that's what God's going to call some of us to be, just a father figure, just somebody to come alongside. And Erica Pacey, who is in a broken family and just needs someone to step in because dad lives 500 miles away. Because we believe in the sanctity of life. We value all life. We value the life of the unborn child. Amen. But we also value the life of the baby. And we value the life of the teenage girl who becomes pregnant. We value her life and the baby's life. We're not here to condemn or to criticize or to make her feel uncomfortable. We want that young lady to know this is the place to be because we're going to help you. We value the life of the parents who struggle because their kids have been taken from them. Oh yeah, we value those lives. We value them while they're going through rehab and getting the help they need, Lance. And we love them and we're praying for them. And we're, we're actually, as much as we love the child while they're in our home, we're actually, our number one prayer is God restore them to their families. That's our prayer. We value their lives. This is, this is what the church does. All lives need the love of God in the church. People don't just need a family. They need a spiritual family. Everyone can do something. It doesn't have to be big. And think about this, church. If you make a difference in the life of a child, you may not change the world, but you will change his or her world. You know, I used to want to make a difference in the world. I used to think, man, I just, I just want to change the world. And I thought, whew. It's a little bigger than I thought. I've backed off a lot. You know, I used to think, man, the only way to do is to pastor a big church and, you know, and, 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 and have a big this and a big that and, and reach the whole world. And it was all about, you know, the nation and the world. And I've just kind of over the years learned, you know, I'll tell you what I want to change. Third Street. 621 Third where I live and I want my neighborhood to get better and I want my church to get better and I tell you where I think we ought to start with foster care is not 400,000 and not 5,200 but can we do something about the 136 that's doable that's doable 
And maybe if we as the church and other churches in Garland County rise up and find a bed and a family and a home for 136 children minus 18 at the present time, maybe if we do that, it'll make a difference in the world because other communities will say, what's happening in Hot Springs? And Lance is taking phone calls at Compact and they're, they're just they're ringing off the wall. And he's saying, it's unreal. It's gone nationwide because in Hot Springs and our little world, we made a difference. I think that could be done. And I'm excited about the opportunity. And so in closing, I want you to dream with me for just a minute. I want you to dream. Just dream. Forget about yourself for just a minute. Forget about, just for just a minute, just forget about your world. And let's just dream for just a minute about what could this mean for our church if we began to practice pure religion? To visit the fatherless. These are not your children. These are not my children. I'm talking about other children. My children aren't fatherless. So what could this mean for our bus ministry? I mean, right now, Mark, you're a captain. Zoe, you're a captain. Who else is a captain right now? You and Zoe. And is there one more? Jeremy's a bus captain. We got three bus captains. I'm sure we could use more workers, Mark. I'm sure we could use a few more $5 a weekers. I mean, I don't know. I mean, a lot of those kids are fatherless. A lot of those kids are poor. A lot of those kids are neglected. We've got a bus ministry in our own church here that how cool would it be if somebody said, you know, I want to find out more about how I can. We have fewer CDLs in our church than we've ever had before. It'd be neat to have a couple more CDLs. How cool. That'd be cool. That would be like a revival for children in the city. Who? What about those two kids that got baptized this morning? That, that was amazing. Well, we're not here to criticize mom, but she, she wasn't here to see him get baptized. Would, would you miss the baptism of your child? Probably not, but guess what? She let us do it. She gave us permission. They have been wearing me out to follow Jesus in baptism. What if those two guys had a father figure that would mentor them? I've never had anybody in our church and every bus kid I've ever baptized say, hey, give me the name of one of those kids and the addresses. I'd like to go by and see them. I've never had it happen. But what if it happened? What if somebody actually said, do those kids have a dad in their home? Can I go by and maybe take them to lunch? Well, how cool would that be? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What if all of a sudden... Our, our children's ministries, our kids incorporated, our C for C. In fact, I'll just give you a little hint. You know what 2018 is going to be? The year of the child. The year of the child. I mean, church, how cool would it be if all of us decided we were going to be a part of one ministry in this church that has to do with children? You say, well, you mean we have more than a nursery? Oh, yeah, we have a nursery. That'd be a good place to start. But we have what's called C for C. That's the bus ministry kids church. We have kids incorporated. That's the drive-in kids church. We have a bus ministry. That's the ministry that goes and picks up kids. I mean, we are all about kids. The problem is we have very few people to help us because it's not, it's not been emphasized. The culture is changing. It's becoming more self-absorbed, and we've got to change that. We've got to decide we want to make a difference because pure religion is not, it is not about our little worlds remaining the same. It's about our worlds being invaded by God's heart. And God's heart is for children. What if we loved and supported pastor, foster care families? And what if instead of kids waiting for families to care, there were families waiting for kids to care for? How cool would that be?
gospelite, let's pray for this. Instead of kids waiting for families to care, let's pray for families waiting for kids to care. I mean, what would it be like, Lance, if you had to tell 20 families, well, we're, we're, everybody in Garland County's taken, but we'll put you on our waiting list. Oh, man, call us as soon as possible. It almost seems surreal, but it could happen. It's just 136. We got 200 churches. I'm not depressed, church. Do I look depressed? I'm pretty fired up. I can't wait to hear next Sunday's sermon. I want to know how I can help. And if I can't foster a a child, I want to know how I can help a family who fosters a child and make a difference because the church has got to step up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, we're just going to open this thing up for prayer and for invitation and We're going to hear this song again, Abba, Father. And as we listen to the words of this song, I'm just going to ask you to consider. Listen, we've been praying, God, please do something to touch our hearts in a way that we've never experienced before in our church. May we somehow, God, find a way that we can be a part of this Somehow, some way, God is going to call some to be more involved than, than others, but all of us can be involved to care for the fatherless, to reach out to the children, to make a difference. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know, I was, I don't know that I'm, I'm connecting totally to what it means to be a, a spiritual orphan. What does that mean? What? What were you talking about? What is this song about? Abba, Father, you've, you've called us as your own. Can I, can I do that? Yes, you can. You can. You can accept Jesus. You can, you can be forgiven this morning. All of us are sinners, and because of our sin, we've been separated from God. But there is a Father who sent His Son to pay the penalty for your sins. And when the song says... You've written our name in your blood. That's not some sort of horror show. That's not some sort of a, what's that all about? That's kind of scary. No, no, no. That's the beautiful part of the story. Jesus shed his blood so he could write your name in the Lamb's book of life. That's what that's about. If you've never been saved and you want to be adopted this morning into the family of God, All you've got to do is say yes to Jesus and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus. Let him save you today. If you've got some concerns and questions about that, please, please come forward. And I would love to have the opportunity to share with you what that means and how that could change your life and your eternity forever. Maybe you're here today and you just want to begin praying about how you can impact the lives of children. Whatever you do, don't miss next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the remainder of our service. God, we're going to let you begin to work in our hearts as we pray and worship and seek your face and listen to the words of this song. Father, may we as families this morning begin to pray. Pray, what can I do? How can I make a difference? What role do you want me to play in this process? Lord, may we not let the questions confuse us, but God, may we allow the questions to motivate us to come back next week and get more specific about what this mission is going to look like for gospel life. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together? You need to come. You come. We were orphans.